Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Just a few different environmental announcements and holidays that I want you all to be aware of. And one of the first ones is World Food Day. And that occurred uh, first back in 2010. And it's usually celebrated on October the 16th. And it's designed to increase awareness and hunger. And uh, the next holiday is International Shakeout Day. And it's the day of... um, October the 17th, where we um, prepare ourselves for earthquakes, um, all types of different drills, resources. There are so many different ones uh, on the International Shakeout Days, their website, they have one. And I did a whole podcast on uh, earthquake preparedness and natural disaster preparedness um, related to earthquakes. So be sure to check it out in my backlog. And then lastly is the third holiday, International Day for the Eradication of Poverty, and that's on October 17th as well. Headlines from the Hemispheres is our next segment up where I'm going to, of course, talk about environmental news headlines from all over the globe and briefly talk about them in summary and a little bit of details. So our first headline is out of uh, Europe and specifically Germany, where the headquarters of the observatory where I'm going to talk about is. So ESO telescopes record last moments of star devoured by a black hole. And ScienceDaily.com was the reporting source for this. And all this um, research and the data was published in the monthly notices of the Royal Astronomical Society. So there was a specific observatory, ESO, the European Southern Observatory, and they were looking through their telescopes and there were other um, organizations around the world that were um, a part of this too, where they had astronomers um, spotting this rare occurrence. It was a rare blast of light Uh, from the star that was ripped apart by a massive black hole. Now, this occurrence is called a tidal disruption event, and it's pretty rare. This does not happen a lot of the time. And one of the closest uh, flares of recorded history that this ever happened um, was just over 215 million light years uh, from Earth. So, This is a rare occurrence. This does not happen every day. And it definitely uh, is to be studied and and more so. Um, It's some, you know, great fodder, but um, intensive research for all those involved. So the ESO has a a lot of work ahead of them at studying such a phenomenon. And again, this is from the European Southern Observatory, and they're headquartered out of Germany. The next headline is out of Australia, and it happens to do with sea corals. So half of corals on the Great Barrier Reef have died since 1990s, study finds, and have post-reported this story. Specifically in Sydney, Australia is where the story is taking us. Half of the coral reefs in and on the Great Barrier Reef in Australia have died since the 90s, since, you know, the time of when I was born, 92. And, you know, it's a troubling study that is talking about how much devastation has 
um, been caused in recent years also, and also, you know, dealing with massive uh, bleaching events that have disrupted some of these um, important, diverse um, structures. And, you know, they're, they're one of the most biodiverse on the planet, and we need these corals um, in our waters. We need these corals um, as part of our uh, brilliant sea ecosystem. They feed and they um, breed and they do so much for us. We need corals. They Without corals, much of um, a lot of sea animals, they wouldn't have homes, they wouldn't be able to eat and and so many other things um, and, and live in, you know, tight spaces and things. It's a, it's a diverse place um, where corals uh, are and what they do. They, they breed and they matriculate and they grow and it takes them years uh, sometimes to get to huge um, uh, um, sizes. So the paper uh, with the research study was published in the Proceedings of the Royal Society B. The researchers, they analyzed uh, different numbers of coral from different sections of about 30 reefs up and down the Great Barrier uh, Reef. And they did this uh, 20 years apart. They did this back in 1996 and then again in uh, 2016. And they found that there were plenty of older and adolescent and even baby corals that had fallen uh, by more than 50% in just the 20 years. So they weren't even uh, around in high numbers. They, they fell by more than half. And in February 2020, pretty recently, the average temperature of the reef um, at its highest was at its highest um, during that time, February 2020. That was the uh, second uh, or most reported uh, highest temperature ever since a recording ban in the year 1900. The study is one of the first ones that is a deep analysis of the Great Barrier Reef and its coral density. And scientists traditionally had flown over hundreds of miles of uh, coral reef structures via helicopter and monitored the coral cover um, to um, see how much coral had appeared healthy or was bleached from afar. I kind of found that, found that, you know, striking mainly because, you know, that seemed like an inefficient method, um, you know, when studying coral reefs, you know, you should be able to get down in, in dirty and essentially see, um, for your eyes and with your eyes, um, the, maybe comparisons of before and after pictures of the coral and geolocations and all types of other measurements you could use to study the coral. And then lastly is some information out of Germany and a new uh, plan that they've enacted uh, regarding clean energy. So what uh, Germany can teach us the US about quitting coal uh, this a story I found on inside uh, insideclimatenews.org. And I like that uh, Germany is going towards the path of um, you know having uh, clean energy and they've been doing so for a while. This has been in the works for a long time. They are in the middle of a painful process of you know quitting coal for good and the government has actually approved the plan. Uh, in 2020 to close the last coal-fired power plant in 2038. The transition to clean energy is a national effort that they started way back when in 2000 with different policies, of course, throughout the years to expand solar and also wind energy. And the German federal government has set the uh, 2038 uh, year deadline and they've also backed um, their uh, industries and, and other types of infrastructure about you know 40 billion euros or 47 um, billion dollars here um, to uh, develop new industries and set up places and build jobs and and have um, job growth for those who are displaced from their coal jobs and it'll provide also monies for um, coal companies and uh, those just displaced from their work. The surprise I have for this podcast episode is that we're going to talk about an interesting, uh, new, and uh, kind of scary, but also 
uh, informative story just about preventing attacks, specifically uh, those from mountain lions and you know cougars and pumas, as they're otherwise known. Um, we're going to talk about it. And this story, when I first heard it and when I first saw the video, I was shocked. I was like, this is scary. My heart was beating for this guy, um, Kyle Burgess, and his story of surviving um, an encounter with a uh, mountain lion. And I was just shocked. I couldn't believe that this even happened. And, you know, this was, you know, just his encounter with one when he was... Um, you know, jogging, doing a run, and I figured, you know, there are thousands of mountain lions um, in the U.S. period. No matter the state, there is either a count of zero or in the thousands, sometimes multiples um, of thousands. So I wanted to um, provide a framework of preventative tips and just common sense uh, things to do just in case you're out in the wilderness uh, anyway and some of these may even apply even if you're not in mountain lion countries like if you're in bear country moose country um, if you're in you know coyote country um, you know fill in the blank wolf country with the uh, predatory uh, animal and I want to uh, cover this um, so if you're out in you know the Colorado wilderness or in Idaho, or Montana, or, you know, another state, you know, specifically in the far west, or midwest, or um, maybe even down south, because there are mountain lions down south, um, you know, they may be not as um, commonplace or as um, big in numbers as other states, but they're there. And the off chance that you do encounter one, um, I want you to be prepared. Um, and so we're going to look at uh, all the different um, preventative tips. So I first want to start off with that as far as the numbers of different um, population counts as far as mountain lions in different states, they vary. Uh, wildlifeinformer.com has a huge uh, list from A to Z um, of all the different states and the numbers. So in Arizona, I'm going to do, I just... I'm going to mainly just point out the states that have the calculations of um, the different mountain lions. So from Arizona to Wyoming, um, those are the states we're going to cover. So in Arizona, there's about 2,000 to 2,700 mountain lions. In California, it's a bit higher at 4,000 to 6,000 mountain lions. Colorado there's 3,000 to 7,000 mountain lions. Florida is about 120 to 130 or so. Um, Idaho is about 2,000. Montana uh, carries about 4,000 to 4,500 mountain lions. Nebraska, a really low number, about 30 to 50 mountain lions. Uh, Nevada has about 2,000 or so mountain lions. New Mexico has 3,500 to, 3, to about 4,300 mountain lions. North Dakota has a, a small number at 25 to 50. Oregon has more than 6,000 mountain lions. South Dakota has 300 to about 500. Texas has about 170 to 454 mountain lions. Utah has about 2,500 mountain lions or so, and then uh, Washington has about 1,500, and then Wyoming has about 2,000 mountain lions. So uh, even if you don't live in any of these other states, or maybe you may see sightings, because there are states that have, you know, even lower numbers than some of the ones I talked about that have, you know, 25 to 50 or so, but... Um, any state that you have maybe an inkling or sighting of one, these tips still apply. If you know anyone in any of these states, if, you know, maybe they've had mountain lion, you know, cougar, puma attacks or encounters, you maybe want to share this with them. So, you know, give them a text or email, heads up, and I'm sure that they will love this podcast anyway because it's about animals, prevention, you know, not trying to get themselves mauled or mauled or attacked. So um, I think we should get started. And so we're going to talk about uh, the incident first off that started um, in the video. And we're going to talk about that you should never want to be in a stare down with a mountain lion 
Um, and that's kind of exactly um, what Kyle Burgess um, did. Not a stare down as in like staring and just staying there. He, you know, backed away. But the incident occurred um, in Utah. And you can see the original footage on YouTube. It's called um, Original Cougar Encounter in Utah. Mountain Lion stalks me for six minutes. And Kyle Burgess is the uh, owner, and he was the person in the video. He was running a trail in Utah's Slate Canyon. And it's mountain lion, a female mountain lion. She was uh, persistently following him, and she raced uh, past her four cubs that she had with her. Um, he wasn't really near them, but I guess she felt like uh, he could have been endangering her cubs, and she was following on him for a little over six minutes. So this was done in a fall uh, area, you know, fall leaves, everything, trees around, uh, sufficient sun was around. Good thing it wasn't, you know, in the late evening or night. Um, it was a pretty much wooded, rocky area. You know, it's a canyon, so it's going to have, you know, height to it, depth to it. And, um, you know, he starts doing a lot of things in that video. He's, you know, trying to shake the um, phone phone towards the uh, mountain lion. He starts cursing. He's you know having these roaring sounds, and he backs away slowly and sometimes a little bit faster. But the mountain lion is facing him, and he's backing away, and that's what's happening for six minutes. So you are getting a. Uh, the point of view of Kyle and his stare down and backing away for six minutes with this female mountain lion. And, you know, the mountain lion is just like, you know, roaring at times or not roaring at times because mountain lions don't really like roar, but, you know, definitely having like feverish, like clawing motions towards him and really giving all the types of meows and you know Kyle is is screaming and he's pleading with it at times and you know telling it to go away sharply and yelling and even tries to compliment the female mountain lion and you know just try and talk to it as if to, as if to try to um as, uh, persuade it to leave him alone and you know, he even tries to hiss at the mountain lion. It's it's hilarious in some uh, points in the video, but it's also like um, a cautious tale. Like you you want to be on edge, and you should be on edge with you know encountering this animal, but also trying to stay calm. And that's what he trying to he kind of does throughout the time uh, in the video. And he's level headed, like he's he's perfect um, at especially towards the later half of the video. But the mountain lion, um, you know, keeps turning its head, and I thought that that was pretty strange, um, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but there are tons of views on the YouTube um, video for it. It's about 7 million views. It'll probably be more than 7 million in the years to come. But uh, there are many uh, different tips that are great for any type of encounter with predators, which I'm going to talk about, and namely, you know, the predator of the mountain lions, the cougars we're going to... Uh, talk about. So humanesociety.org has a special list of uh, preventing encounters with dangerous predators. And one of the first tips, common sense ones, is to not uh, to store trash in a clean or well-secured container, which makes sense, you know, and you want to wash out trash cans that have uh, the ability to attract um, potential species like uh, raccoons and ones that kind of love trash. Um, number two is to not leave any pet food outside, whether it be, um, you know, dog food, uh, maybe you feed your cats on the porch outside, anything like that. You want to be able to keep food, um, in your house, in your house, in your apartment. Maybe you have a travel trailer. You want to be able to put the food inside, not leave it on the porch outside or, or in a container outside. It's just not safe. Um, and especially if you're feeding your pets outside, you don't want the potential predator to attack your pet or, you know, your animal you're caring for outside because they want the food that they have, have eaten, your pet has eaten. Number three tip is to not feed any type of wildlife like deer because this may attract cougars. Cougars will probably attack anything that moves, especially if it feels like a threat, which makes sense. But deer and other wildlife, you want to stay away from trying to feed them. 
Number four tip is to not compost any meat scraps. I did a whole podcast episode on how to compost, and that included not not putting meat scraps, oils, fats, um, and other types of um, plant matter, especially those that are invasive species and those that are poisonous and weeds in your compost. But you should also not put other types of foods that will attract um, the prey of mountain lions or the cougars, the mountain lions themselves. Number five tip is to trim any vegetation around your house because these are the perfect hiding place for cougars. They love to go ahead and ambush on prey. Have you ever seen a cat try and ambush? They have the same instincts that their ancestors have. You know, there are cats older than the mountain lions, of course, and so they know to uh, sneak up and ambush and sneakily do so. Um, you'll see cats in the wild, cheetahs, for example, they're great at doing this and ambushing their prey. Lions, they're the kings at this. So you want to be able to clear any vegetation, just anything that could uh, pose a barrier um, for you know them um, is great, but you don't want something that is something where they can hide in. Uh, also, you want to make sure that your heart, your yard. Um, it may not be completely barren, which is okay, but it, it shouldn't include something like underbrush or piles of leaves or dead plant matter, um, other than maybe a compost pile, which should be pretty dense anyway. A number six tip is to seal any open areas under types of structures like your porches, sheds, maybe a new shed, an old shed, or the decks of your homes, for example. These should be sealed. These should be covered. These should be um, places where cougars cannot hide or their prey in mass numbers cannot hide. Because if you have a camp full of animals like, um, I don't maybe rabbits or um, deer babies or any type of um, mammal or other type of critter that you know that the mountain lion will eat, you don't want that underneath your home where you stay, where you sleep, where you're in and out of, where your children may be um, while you go to work. You don't want any of that, especially if you live in a rural area or you know where there's uh, mountain lions about. And it's mountain lion territory. You don't want um, them seeking your home out as the hot spot and telling their mountain lion friends to go to your home for the snacks because you have all types of holes and every type of um, space open for little animals to get in where they know that they can go there if they want something to eat. You don't want that. And then number seven tip is to install lighting devices, motion sensor uh, type of lighting in dark areas, which is perfect um, for not even just predators and mountain lions. It's great to see, you know, if there are suspicious people or strangers onto your property, if maybe, you know, your neighbor or someone else is trespassing, or if you have um, intruders or, or criminals potentially coming to your home. That's great, you know, for all those things, for having that lighting and that motion sensing Um, equipment around your home but you want to use it in the dark areas um, especially at night to deter cougars and to scare um, potential uh, larger predators away from your home now uh, next I want to cover another set of uh, tips this is mainly what to do if you're face to face with a mountain lion a cougar a puma same thing You uh, may be thinking, you know, how am I going to get away from this? This is such a scary uh, environment. This situation is insanely, um, you know, crippling. You know, my heart's racing, you know, a million times a minute. What to do? Well, tip number eight is to not run. Don't run. You may think, you know, to turn your back or to run uh, backwards. But, you know, if you fall, then what? Then you're, you know, up the creek without a paddle. And you may be at the mercy of the mountain lion who may jump on top of you, claw you, maul you, you know, um, sufficiently, you know, rip chunks of your flesh away. All types of gory details that you want to avoid. So with this, don't run. Running will definitely provoke its instincts to chase you as a predator. It's a predator. It's going to chase. You know, dogs do the same thing. You know, cats, they kind of do their own thing. But uh, with cougars, they definitely have that sense. Just like bears, coyotes, wolves. I've seen people get chased by bears. Not firsthand, but on videos. A recent video, I saw a man get chased by a bear and it looked to be in a rural area. The bear was chasing him. I saw a car dealership and everything else in the and the bear got hit by a bus. 
and the bear was okay. But you just don't want to run from the bear or the, the other type of predator, especially on something like a cougar. Uh, most times they're either going to be faster than you or catch up to you sooner or later, but you just don't want to run. That's just the main point here. Uh, tip number nine is to pick up any small children or pets that are with you. This, is, of course, uh, makes sense for many different reasons, for safety reasons, but you want to be able to make yourself as big as possible and having more weight or having um, just another uh, type of um, barrier in the way um, that protects you, not saying that you're going to use the child to protect you, but you're using your your weight um, and, and carrying more weight so it makes you look like you're bigger, like you're a bigger, tar- um, bigger um, a threat um, to the mountain lion. If you have, you know, a score of people, a group of people, it may leave you alone. So you want to be able to, you know, pick up your pets or small children and, and carry them with you and you all back away slowly uh, and do other methods to protect yourselves from that mountain lion that, you know, may be curious about you. Number 10 is to directly face the cougar. This means looking at the cougar's feet, not into its eyes, to avoid appearing aggressive. This is a tip for many different uh, animals, predatory animals, just like with dogs, you know, not to show your teeth a lot, or with um, apes and, you know, primates, not to show your teeth a lot either. Number 11 is to check the cougar's displays of their aggressive uh, behaviors and to uh, look at, you know, how they are appearing and raise your arms or open your jacket, you know, above your head. Again, making yourself as big as possible to send the message that you are a threat too and you don't want to be bothered. Number 12 tip is to make noise by yelling, blowing a whistle, an air horn. Maybe you have a noisemaker. Maybe you have some type of, um, you know, ringtone or somebody's calling you or something loud distraction to scare away the mountain lion. You never know what may work, but you want to make as much noise as possible to get it away from you and to scare it off. Number 13 tip is that if you have an umbrella, you want to quickly open and close it while facing the cougar. Again, putting some distance between you and the cougar. Uh, number 14 tip is to not approach the cougar. Don't step towards it, back away from it. Uh, you know, it's like a, a, a bad taste you don't want in the mouth, in your mouth. You don't want anything to do with it. You want to get away from the cougar. And you want to give it, you know, ample space so that, um, you know, if it does run away, that's fine. But you don't want to even corner it because, of course, it will probably uh, retaliate and attack you in defense. And then lastly, number 15 tip is that uh, if there is a female mountain lion about that you be careful not to get between her and her cubs. You know, mind her cubs. Don't even worry about them. Um, just steer, steer clear. This goes for even other predators too, like bears. You know, mama bear. Um, you know, cub is is a is a, a phrase people use. So don't mess with my um, cubs. You know, I'm a total mama bear when it comes to my cubs. You know, there are a ton of moms that say that, and it's for good reason because you don't want to mess. Uh, with the uh, female um, predator when it comes to her and her babies. So whether that's a bear, whether that's a wolf, whether that's a cougar, you don't want to mess with them, attack them, or try and separate them from their mom, and you just want to let them be on their way so that you can get back to what you have to do and go about your way, and they can do the same. The video was definitely uh, one that I think showed uh, Burgess in a light that was brave and I'm so happy he made it through and he survived this video. It was intense. Like I watched that video a few times and you know the mountain lion it kept turning its head around and you know I was wondering like is like is it waiting for you know um, someone else to come around the corner, you know, maybe, you know, was the mountain lion thinking, is anyone else, you know, following us, you know, him and, um, uh, the, the female mountain lion or, you know, was the mountain lion contemplating, you know, should, you know, she take him down all by herself. Like the mountain lion was just like curious, you know, and kept turning around its head, 
um, just as she kept, you know, um, walking slowly, menacingly, curiously, um, defensively towards uh, Burgess. So I was really curious about that. But, you know, Burgess was like, I don't feel like dying today. That was a hilarious quote that he had in the video. It was just a, a video about like nature in it's like raw form. I felt like, and you know, mountain lions, they don't play, you know, people call them cougars, pumas. Um, you know, they're usually, um, in my finding out a little bit more about mountain lions that they're typically shy, you know, they do their own thing. They're solitary. They usually don't want to be bothered, but if they feel threatened. If they feel hungry, they're going to, you know, come after, uh, what's there. And they're nocturnal animals and they have huge ranges of which they explore. Um, in 2018, I, I saw the data, um, you know, up to 400 miles, you know, that's a trek. That's, you know, a distance from, um, you know, towns between different states. Like that's a long distance. So that means they can travel, you know, 400 miles and roam and just go and go. And they, um, you know, make do where they are and they, you know, set up and they keep going and they bring their cubs with them, raise them, but they have a range as far as, you know, where they roam, where they go. And so they don't just stay like in one place. That's just not, um, the typical, you know, lifestyle or, or life of a mountain lion. And so, um, you know, the mountain lion was, uh, definitely, um, uh, I wouldn't say fearful of Bridges, but definitely she was, you know, stalking and uh, definitely, uh, I wouldn't say closing in on Bridges, but, you know, I'm glad that he videotaped the whole thing and he picked up the rock, um, you know, enough that, you know, he was able to, you know, scare away the mountain lion, but I won't give too many details away. You'll have to see it for yourself. I'll, I'll link the title in the, um, description and everything. Uh, for you all. So I'll have the title and the video link, uh, and it's from YouTube, so you can check it out. And, you know, it is a really great, um, picture, I guess, is what not, what to do in an encounter with a mountain lion. Um, and I haven't seen, you know, I've seen tons of different animal tech videos of all types, but, um, you know, you want to appear non-threatening and you want to be able to fight back if you're attacked. Like, that's one of the main things. Uh, but he wasn't attacked, so that's a good thing. But you want to go for the, the soft areas. You want to go for, the, you know, the eyes or the nose or the throat. The throat is a vulnerable place in, in any animal, especially ones that, you know, have a, an, a, a, a detailed or a visible you know, throw that you can, you know, put your hands around. You want to make sure you're, you're putting, uh, the mountain lion's life at risk, you know, so that they won't eat you so that they'll think, okay, it's too much of a, a risk to eat, you know, this animal or, you know, as in you or the limbs off of you because you give too much of a fight and they don't want to be bothered or injured or, or seriously, um, vulnerable from the attack that you gave them, uh, trying to fight them off. So, you want to be able to fight as hard as possible. Um, and um, you want to be able to not take your eyes off the cougar. That doesn't mean, you know, stare it down completely, but you want to keep it in your sights. And of course, don't turn your back. We learned that. Don't turn your back and don't try to crouch down or get to its level or try to hide behind bushes or something else or up a tree. Uh, if the, co the cougar attacks, of course, fight back, be aggressive and try to stay on your feet. You don't want to be wrestling with a mountain lion. I'm going to talk about the weight of um, the differences of some of the um, mountain lions. And uh, next, anybody who, you know, is trying to drive away a mountain lion, that's a really good thing. You want to be able to fight back also and try to, you know, make it flee with sticks or rocks, shovels, maybe the weight of your backpack, maybe the straps. You want to try and tangle it up um, with, um, maybe even your bare hands, of course, or type of clothing, maybe a scarf you have or your belt, maybe you want to hit it with it or wrap it around, you know, it's abdomen, something it's, it's throat, something you have. So that's why it's a good way, good thing to have, you know, belts on hand. It's a good way to have, you know, 
sharp knives or um, hunting knives or pepper spray or, or bear spray, any type of spray around your taser. This is a good, um, you know, um, rule of thumb to have anyway, especially a place where it's, it's foreign to you or you're not um, really sure of the environment, but you're keeping um, yourself uh, strapped or um, ready with whatever um, utility weapons or anything that you have, you have something on hand. You know, for me, yes, I have my pepper sprays and, you know, I have those type of things on hand. My special light, I need to get a taser. I'm kind of working on that because there are many different ones out there. Um, but you want to be, you know, safe, then sorry. You don't want to be wrapped up in, in animal attack, period. You know, those things are pretty traumatic. Um, you can see on Animal Planet tons of shows and videos and people's uh, different encounters with animals over the years. Um, and by chance, if um, you are aggressive enough and you're fighting back, of course, the cougar will, you know, flee, you know, realizing that, you know, it's it's a mistake to mess with you. So, you know, pepper spray is a great defense against many different animals and people. But you want to be able to, you know, strike it in the face where it matters and, of course, back away um, out of the, 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 the field or the range of the sprays that you don't get hit in the face with the, the back wind or the cloud of it. Um, and, and that'll be, you know, great enough to, of course, uh, get it scared away. Uh, the only um, reason um, I think that um, with the video... It, it ran uh, away, um, but, you know, for a second, uh, you know, I didn't know if that would work because, you know, at the end, I was just, I was shocked. I, I'm surprised that it ran away and it, it didn't, you know, peek its head uh, out, you know, back from uh, around the corner uh, of where it ran to, um, thinking, you know, is, you know, Burgess still around the corner? Could I take a second shot? I was really scared when I saw the end of the video, but I won't spoil, uh, too much of it. You kind of have to see it for yourself because you probably won't know all the details and all of what I'm talking about, um, when it comes to it. But yeah, I'm really, really excited, um, you know, about watching the video. So for future reference, uh, generally male mountain lions are between 115 and 220 pounds or 52 and 100 kilometers or, or kilograms. And the females weigh between uh, 64 pounds and um, 141 pounds or about 29 and um, uh, between uh, 64 kilograms. The Mother Earth Minutes is where we review, in the next few minutes, all the proactive things that we can do to combat the issue in the episode and to protect Mother Earth. Of course, uh, unlike uh, other large cats, uh, mountain lions, cougars, pumas, as you may know them as, as well, they cannot roar. You know, they can only growl or shriek or hiss or even purr, just like house cats. In that fact, uh, the National Wildlife Federation website had that on mountain lions. And uh, yeah, I, I know that there's a lot that we I, I packed, you know, in the podcast episode and we've covered. So uh, I want to get a little bit more um, uh, applications for the different tips. Did you have these as well? And then I'll tell you about the PDF which I'll link in the description as well for the podcast. So you can check it out. So, you know, wherever you're listening um, to the podcast episode now, just check in the description of the podcast episode for the resources there. So with the first uh, tip, this is about um, anyone who's um, doing recreational activities in cougar country. So you may be hiking or skiing or or walking, or jogging, or, um, you know, snowboarding, or, you know, any type of activity that you know is around mountain lions. So, one of the first things you should do, these are only five tips, is to take a friend with you. There's never enough tips I could give, but 
with these they're to the point as well so take a friend in your travels in you know the wilderness in backpacking and through hiking anytime you're in a place where maybe you've, you've done it hundreds of times you know bring your friend um, a few of those times or you know keep yourself um, um, strapped with all types of different uh, weapons just to make yourself safer um, because you're in the wild and the wild is unforgiving you know the wild uh, will, will take away and it won't apologize for it the wild um, you know is is the wild and it's not equipped for all of what us humans do uh, while there so you you know you're venturing in the home uh, scapes in the in the back um, woods or in the, the territories of the animals, of the bears and the wolves and the coyotes and the mountain lions and, and all the other types of predators that are out there. The moose, for example. Moose are pretty dangerous too. People, you know, up north um, uh, know them. You know, in, in Canada, you know, they see them. Um, so, you know, you want to be wary of where you are, but be vigilant, but also bring a friend with you. Number two tip is to be aware of your surroundings. For example, not wearing headphones. I'm pretty like over the fact that people just wear headphones, especially us millennials. Like we get bad rap for a few things, but one of the things we have to be aware of, Gen Xers are, are now kind of taking that over uh, by storm. And also the fact that they're on tons of social media apps like TikTok. But, you know, wearing headphones in public, like a lot of the time, or even sometimes people wear them when we're driving. And I'm like, do you not think that, you know, people won't, um, you know, honk a horn? You should be able to, to hear all the sounds of traffic, you know, sure, turn down your radio and all these different things, but you shouldn't be driving needlessly with headphones on. You know, you know, you ever heard of Bluetooth? Like, it's okay to use Bluetooth and use that advanced technology. Um, but you, you know, want to, you know, be aware, you know, even, you know, driving, um, you know, the honking of, of, of um, uh, sounds from cars. Maybe someone's trying to get over and they're trying to roll their window down, but you have your headphones and you can't hear. It's an accident waiting to happen because you're not aware of your surroundings, you know. And, you know, same thing for, um, you know, living in uh, metropolitan areas, rural areas, um, uh, or urban areas, wherever city, city areas where people are in ambulance services and police sirens are abound, you should be able to know where these cars and vehicles are so that you know how to get out of their way so that you don't get cited or, um, you know, charged with, uh, delaying, um, them from getting to where they need to be. So that tip of being aware of your surroundings applies to a lot of different areas and not just, uh, preventing an attack, um, by mountain lions. Number three tip is to bring uh, along a whistle or air horn with you to scare away potential wild animals. This is a really um, important one as well. You know, you maybe have a whistle, um, you know, but do you have pepper spray? Do you have mace? Do you have a small uh, weapon, another weapon, a hunting knife, a carving knife, something to get you through so that you don't have an encounter with a wild animal? It's not to say that you are trying to go in and, and aiming to kill it, but it's either you or it, and you'd rather either injure it or kill it so that it doesn't eat you, doesn't injure you, doesn't, you know, make you wish you never, you know, went out that day and, you know, did some snowboarding or did some hiking and weren't prepared. So you want to be able to, you know, have maybe a first aid kit every time you're you're going outside and going on your adventures, you know, having a, a communication device, like maybe from the Red Cross or maybe an extra cell phone or something to communicate or to let others know where you are, just something, maybe a a, a flare gun, you know, maybe to, you know, um, use um, in an emergency case too, or something that will scare away animal. That could be, the flare gun could be used a few different ways, um, but you want to bring something to scare away any predator um, that you may uh, be, you know, in the same vicinity of. Number four tip is to keep any uh, kids, uh, especially those under the age of 16, you want to keep those close to you and don't allow, you know, the, the young kiddies, don't allow them outside unsupervised, especially as it gets dark and, you know, have, of course, the kids um, walk between um, 
two adults at all times and hold each other by hands. Like you want to, you know, be safe and away from all these wild animals. You don't want them wandering in, you know, unventured territory or territory that's not safe anyway. But young toddlers and, you know, adolescents and such, you don't want them um, out in cougar country, period. But you don't want them, even though, you know, they may think that they're, you know, invincible or maybe they're, you know, a zany teenager and they think that they can handle it all. Don't trust it. Don't trust them. Don't give them too much leeway. You want to, you know, prepare them um, and give them amazing tips, especially in this podcast episode, so that they don't, you know, go out and venture unsupervised and you don't leave them unsupervised either. And then lastly, number five tip is to keep near your, your pets, like your dog, uh, on leashes that are about six feet long or less, you know, better, um, closer um, in uh, length to you than not. Uh, you want to be able to, you know, rip and run and go and leave instead of, you know, waiting for that leash to catch up. Uh, you you want something that is quick and can go as fast as you can and run um, or just get away from danger. Um, not say running away from the, the mountain lion because we learned not to do that, but you want to be able to keep your, your pets close to you. Or if they're small enough, go ahead and carry them, um, you know, to you. So again, I will leave the PDF uh, for the mountain lions and coexisting with them and just all these different tips I covered. Many of them are on the PDF. And so I'll put that in the description of the podcast episode as well. fact of the day is that the South Pole is warming three times faster than the rest of the planet. That fact was sourced from Sierra Club's Sierra Magazine in the September-October 2020 issue. We have reached the Eco Company Spotlight segment, and I'm going to talk about a great company that I think that you all will love as well. And as you know, in this segment, or if you're new to this particular segment or the program in general, uh, the Greener Thoughts program, you know that I talk about many different environmental uh, companies, ones that are based in the U.S. and abroad, uh, all types of different industries they cover in categories from fashion to beauty products to services that make your life better, you know, recycling locators and all types of other things that I cover as well, you know, jewelry, beauty, uh, men's care. Um, I recently, you know, talked about that uh, with the Dr. Squatch uh, and their soaps. So I do a lot of different reviews of products and the ones that I don't review, I talk about the products I do want to cover and will share at a later time. And uh, we'll buy and, you know, we'll tell you an updated review at a later time in the episode announcement. But I try and make every podcast episode special. And in the segment, I do so uh, when it comes to, you know, talking about uh, each company, each brand and their mission, what uh, has made them, you know, prolong um, uh, their longevity, I should say, not prolong, but have their longevity in their special niche or um, their sector, their industry, what makes them um, continue to flourish uh, with consumers and supporters like yourselves or others who stand by their products. Um, you know, they may be, you know, truly uh, ethical or they have different certifications behind them or they are, you know, um, really uh, wants to stand behind their quality. Many different attributes these, country, these uh, companies hold from different countries, um, but I want to break down another one uh, for you, and I've been doing a lot of reviews since February 2019, I always uh, welcome and open to do others, and if you have a brand or company that you of course want me to talk about, do not be shy, I haven't had too many um, voice messages or emails about company, but that doesn't mean you can't let me know about one, again, there are thousands upon thousands of companies, if not a few, you know, million, um, that I haven't, you know, um, been across 
you know, the interwebs and, and searched out and found. So I'm always able to and open to looking for another product or service to try. So we're going to talk about Vermont Soap and the amazing company that is Vermont Soap and their products. So Vermont Soap has been making soap for the people since 1992 and it all started with their organic factory that they have and which they make handmade products for people, pets, and homes. And they offer also uh, effective cleaning solutions and all of these of course use all natural ingredients. Vermont Soap was created to manufacture and have amazing high quality products that are unique enough and natural enough and safe enough for you as personal care products and are useful in so many different ways and pack value and they really want to be a social change maker and they kind of you know incorporate that and they show that effortlessly especially with what they bring to the consumers and who's their base who love their products they encourage and also emphasize the use of recycling and reusing of their products and they use naturally based ingredients and technology that can achieve the best results of their products. So as far as the commitment to sustainability, there's definitely a lot with the brand Vermont Soap. They have amazing products. Most of them um, um, are certified by the USDA Organic Standards. Uh, by the Vermont Organic Farmers or VOF and also the certification program of the, the NOFA VT or the Northeast Organic Farmers uh, Vermont uh, or those known as NOFA. They have recyclable and reusable packaging that they use in their products. Um, they practice, they practice uh, responsible sourcing for the palm oil and their coconut oil their cocoa butter and they make sure that there's no slave labor or child labor used in the sourcing of any of those ingredients. They have formaldehyde-free packaging and all their products are free from sodium lauryl sulfate, detergents, alcohols, artificial colors, fragrances, preservatives, and absolutely no chemical or synthetic ingredients. Also, they are a 1% for the planet member, and also, again, their products are USDA organic products. A bunch of their products are in the made in the U.S., and their products run the gamut. They will probably cover anybody who needs a different body soap or hand soap, bath soap, so many different products, even those for kids and babies. So they really do their due diligence, and they've expanded a lot. So I'm going to talk about um, all of what they have, but not as much as the, their different scents. I'm only going to talk about the different scents in some of their main products, like their soaps or air fresheners or their soaps, what they're mainly known for, which I'll cover those scents that they have specifically. So for them, they have things like air fresheners and they have them in different scents, like lavender ecstasy, lemongrass, lemongrass grass zen, a patchouli rose, a peppermint magic, sage wisdom, and sweet grass. And they have baby and kids soap. They have a bar soaps like aloe baby, blue bar, cranberry orange, green tea and peppermint, lavender ecstasy, lemongrass zen, oatmeal lavender, shea butter bar. They have the unscented. Uh, bar soaps. They also have it in tea tree and they also have options of buying the bars of soap in bulk which is great especially if you want you know a year supply which is you know usually 12 bars or more give or take um, which is about $50 uh, US currency and they have bath accessories they have bath salts um, they have the body wash varieties of their soaps in the different scents too, like the uh, baby and kids unscented wash. They have that also in uh, lavender ecstasy, lemongrass zen, uh, sage lemon wisdom, and also simply unscented. And for their uh, Castile soaps, they have them 
as the soap refills and all of the different scents too. Much of these scents you'll you'll hear or they're repeated in, in other soaps. So the soap scents that you like, they have those in different types of products. Uh, so they have it in lavender ecstasy, sweet grass zen, sweet orange, patchouli rose, peppermint magic, pine woods, tea tree, sweet grass, and also simply and scented. They also have the odorant. They have foaming hand soap in lavender ecstasy, lemongrass zen, sage lime wisdom, and also uh, simply unscented. They also have foot care products, gifts that you can give. They have green cleansers or cleaners that they use. They have their hand sanitizers and hand soaps that they have too. They have moisturizers like uh, Arnica. They have Honey Love facial mask, that product and also organic African shea butter. They have pet and horse care products. They even have toothbrush care products like tooth salt for you and hands and um, toothbrush sanitizer and other products too. Now, I have not experienced using Vermont soap, but I've been putting that off for a few years only because I didn't get a chance to buying first off the bulk soaps like I wanted. Um, but I, I thought for a time maybe it was unavailable, but they have... Uh, so many different products that there's only about a handful that really apply to me because I don't have pets anymore and I don't have horses and and, and anything like that so um, certain products apply to me I, I would love to get and will be buying if I had a chance to uh, I'll let you know how it goes though having all these products and using them the liquid sunshine non-toxic cleaner concentrate I want to get that because they're huge um, and they're the bulk gallon products, the ounces ones. There's also the cranberry orange um, or in, the, in the green tea and peppermint soap and the lemongrass zen bars. I love the soap bars. I love soap bars. That's like what I use now for, of course, showering and stuff. It's lit. I love, love, love soap bars. So they're efficient for me. You know, you use one or two a month and you have so many, you know, you're good. Um, you don't have to fiddle with plastic waste or paying for the plastic, um, essentially. Um, and I think you get more for your money. And sometimes soap bars can run you cheap, no matter which one you get. Like, there's so many prices uh, that can range for a bar soap, especially one that's organic or natural. The price is different. They may be, you know, a few dollars, you know, one, two, three, four dollars on up. So, you know, there's really the limit as far as how much um, soap bars in general can cost. Um, and on Vermont Soap, they have a great price for a ton of their products. Um, also, I will be buying the hand sanitizer, the toothbrush sanitizer, and maybe an air freshener too. I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll definitely see. So, uh, first off, I love the story of uh, Vermont Soap and how they got started. I, I was reading the tale and the history of Vermont Soap on the website, and it was an interesting tale. You know, he was, you know, talking about direct quotes and how he started off as a window um, cleaner and, uh, you know, not being as interested over the years about that and meeting, you know, this guy in the bar and him telling him, you know, the story of, you know, how he could be his own uh, boss and what he really thinks of um, as far as like products and what people want, but also meeting the needs and being able to figure out, okay, what do people use on a consistent basis that has a stable enough price that they will keep buying over and over that is a need. Um, and so he thought of it one day after some time and it was soap. And so he started investing time and in researching about soap and the soap making process and how it works and, and, and how to go about doing that and, and venturing out uh, to different like farms and festivals and, you know, um, the tale of the, the goat uh, milled um, soap that he had and it curing you know, his skin sensitivities and his rashes and, you know, his um, problems that he had. So he had been, de been dealing with those for years and he found that those occurred, you know, in the soap that he bought from the festival from the, um, the lady in white. And uh, he's probably glad that he met her that one fine day uh, and, you know, she's swearing by her products and using them. So uh, their products, especially the, the founder, he touts that they're great for anyone with skin sensitivities. So if you have rashes or eczema or you have dry, super dry skin in the winter, summer, spring, doesn't matter. Um, if you, um, you don't have um, 
maybe flaky skin or it's patchy or rosacea maybe vermont soap is the way to go you know he he's used it for many years of course and it's great that he loves his own product but it's also worked for him too um, I love the fact that there are many different scents, and I love a good scent, and not one that's like artificial. Of course, I don't have to worry about that with uh, the products, Vermont Soap, but there's so many different scents, and again, if you love a product or have a product that you maybe are interested in, and you love a particular scent, or there's one featured on the website that you like, buy in the multiple products. You know, if you love... Um, lemongrass and you you know want to try lemongrass zen you know try it in a bar soap try it in you know another product you know and maybe you will uh, uh, gain uh, more products over time as far as you know maybe uh, you'll want it in something else maybe you want it in a body wash and, and, and then maybe in a castile soap for example and then maybe you'll you know use it as a hand soap you never know but you just want to you know get started because again there are many different products uh, available on the website and all of them are for great prices i never saw anything um, exorbitantly um, just just all the park as far as a price unless it's something like a bulk item because the 12 um, soap bars, for example, that's, you know, $50, um, you know, but you're paying for that, that labor and you're paying for the, you know, quality that they've been around for a long time and they, they know soap. So you're going to go get those hefty bars of soap, um, and 12 bars for $50. That's not too bad. Um, especially if, um, you know that that's the great way to go. If you want to buy in bulk again, you could not buy in bulk and that's totally fine too. You can uh, give yourself maybe one or two bars of soap and see how you like it. And then, you know, maybe try for more of that particular scent and then buy in bulk or switch to something else. Um, but overall, I love the feel of the company. Um, I love that it's a down-home type of feel. The founder of Vermont Soap, uh, Larry Pleasant, he uh, definitely is a warm spirit. You know, he loves making soap. I was checking out his uh, YouTube videos on, the, on the, um, the YouTube channel for Vermont Soap, and you know, he was talking about and just being good spirits after the factory fire that they had in 2014, and that they came back stronger than ever. And he was really happy to get the different equipment out. And he was talking about you know sh shipping out soaps of uh, bar soaps just days after. Um, the fire had happened and he was recuperating from that, but he didn't let it, you know, tear him down and he wanted to, you know, have his customers and supporters, uh, still in his corner. And of course they would, of course do that. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that they were supportive of him and, you know, kept supporting him. And even now, um, you know, he's got a great uh, following and people still love his products. You know, he's been around since 1992. It's a long time and uh, he's still doing the good work and loves soap. So that's a brilliant, beautiful thing. And, uh, I, I definitely give their products, um, in the, the whole image and I, I think a lot of what people have to say, just five out of five green thumbs up. I can't wait to be buying the soap and concentrate, for example, because I know it'll last for a long time because those ounces were huge. You know, 64 ounces is a lot of soap, so it should last a long time. I'm really happy about that. Uh, so Vermont soap can be found definitely online. Mostly you can probably find it um, in stores, like in Vermont especially, but uh, the website vermontsoap.com is definitely where you will find it um, definitely um, first. Vermont Soap, V-E-R-M-O-N-T, soap.com for all my international uh, folks out there uh, who may not know where Vermont is or how to spell it. And then Amazon.com, uh, of course, they have their products on there, some of their products. And also EarthTurns.com, they have some of their products on there, too. So Vermont Soap can be found also on the following social media platforms. You can check them out on Facebook at Vermont Soap. They're also on Instagram at Vermont Soap. They're on LinkedIn at Vermont Soap Works. They're also on Twitter at Vermont Soap, too. And also on YouTube at Vermont Soap, of which I... I recently subscribed uh, to their YouTube channel and to contact Vermont Soap, no worries. Just go to the website vermontsoap.com and then check out the top of their website under contact us to go ahead and call them. Um, you can definitely contact them at uh, or different via different ways. You can call them at their number 
802-388-4302 or 1-866-SOAP4U2. And you can also email them at info at vermontsoap.com or you can message them directly on their site or write to their address. That was a great uh, topic, I think, just to talk about something fresh and interesting, weird news, but exciting news because it led into a, a guide and a stepping stone for prevention of uh, mountain lion attacks and other predators too, but these are great tips for, um, you know, warding against, you know, being attacked by a mountain lion. And I don't know, you know, the personal, you know, lives or the activities behind, you know, all the listeners who listen, of course. But I um, am really happy that I talked about something a bit different and it all started because of a simple, you know, article that was mainly about the video in the uh, attack that could have been or um, the preparation and good measures and steps from Kyle Burgess and uh, his you know quick thinking to you know whip out his camera and to try to you know scare away the mountain lion I really hope that everybody checks out the video see it for yourself you know I didn't want it so that I was just you know spouting and talking about this events and no one could get in touch about the video like no I want you to check out the video for yourself you know, no matter where you live, you know, you, you're in Canada, you're, you know, in California, uh, out west, or, you know, you're abroad in Poland, because I have, um, Poland is one of my top, you know, five uh, countries that listens. Like, I want you to check out this video and see it for yourself and then see how these tips can apply to you. You know, maybe you don't have mountain lions where you live around you. That's totally fine. There are other animals that are probably bound to, um, you know, creep and crawl and and to uh, come your way as well. Maybe you live, you know, in, in the bush. Maybe you live, um, you know, in Australia. Like, there are still predators out in Australia and Australians, no, like, it's not, it's not a game out there. There's all these spiders, all type of reptiles, all type of everything that can get you as well. So they're, they're creepy crawly too. And warm-blooded animals that are mammals too that are huge out there. Um, definitely like dingoes, for example. Dingoes, you know, they, they play no games and they're, they're very um, dangerous. And uh, I know that you can still, you know, defend yourself against a wild dingo um, uh, just as much as you can probably do so against another animal. Um, but you just have to be prepared and you just have to, you know, think clearly, you know, share this with, you know, your nature friends or your friends who work maybe in wildlife or around mountain lions. You know, do they have more to add to the conversation or to the guide as far as tips? You know, what's their experience? Have they um, had encounters with mountain lions? You never know, but maybe this uh, podcast episode will start up, you know, a quick, um, you know, a 15 minute, 20 minute conversation and they tell you, you know, what they've learned and how they encounter wild animals. You never know what um, your friends or colleagues or those around you may tell you, but it all starts with um, a, you know, a idea, uh, learning something from somewhere. And maybe this podcast is kind of the start of that. Um, but I really hope that anyone who's listening um, really takes heed to this good info and, you know, you keep it in your, your back pocket and you, you in a, a dangerous situation that you're able to pull from this um, podcast episode, the knowledge and all the wonderful uh, guidelines and preventative tips that were here for you. So um, I thank you as always for listening and sharing the podcast episode. Thank you a thousand times so much. Uh, and uh, I will be doing another uh, podcast episode soon, of course, for all of you. But until then, as always, please take care of yourselves and please take care of the planet. See ya.